Well, once again, a, a Merry Christmas to you, and if I didn't get to see any of you this week for the Christmas celebration, do know that uh, I wish you and your family uh, all the best on this Christmas. Let's take a moment and uh, pray as we come before the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit, that you might be at work in our hearts to heal us and renew us this morning when we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've mentioned before the... the um, the man named Timothy Paul Jones and uh, his story of adopting his daughters. So Timothy Paul Jones uh, and his wife decided to adopt their middle daughter, and this daughter had come out of a previously uh, a adopted family. She was, she was part of a previous adopted family, uh, but she had not really integrated very well into the family, and Nobody knows if it's quite you know, her fault or the family's fault. It doesn't really matter. Uh, she had struggled to assimilate to that family. And one of the issues that came up quite a few times was that the family planned regular vacations to Disney World. Every time they planned a vacation to Disney World, uh, she would become excited. She would probably maybe behave a little bit inappropriately or something like that, and she would be left behind then with friends and family. And nobody, she has always perceived it as she did something wrong, which made her be left behind. It was her fault. Well, Timothy Paul Jones then, the Jones family, you know, they adopt her. Uh, he quickly finds out what's happened, and he decides that this has to change. The next time he takes a business trip down to Florida, that direction, they says, okay, we're going we're gonna to take you on a trip to the Magic Kingdom. She finds out that they're going to the Magic Kingdom. He tells her that, and man, she just acts even more inappropriately than she has ever so far. You know, she, she steals food when she could have easily asked for a snack. She lies uh, when it would have been, you know, much simpler just to tell the truth and there would have been no major consequences. Uh, she, she makes up cutting remarks to say to her siblings that are, are worse than has ever been imagined. Um, and those kinds of activities, those actions on her part, they get worse the closer they get to going to this very magical and wonderful place that we call the Magic Kingdom. Right? So she's got this downward spiral going on the closer and closer that they come to it. And, and one day, then, Timothy Jones sits down with her and he, he takes her on his lap and she, says, she looks at him in the eye and she says, oh, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me I can't go to Disney World. And a light bulb goes on for him and he realizes, you know, this is not, this is not, I, I never thought of even telling you that you can't go. But you know you can't work your way into the Magic Kingdom. You've tried that before, multiple times. She's tried to do her very best and she never got to go. And so she's acting in a way that actually puts her as far away as possible from the Magic Kingdom. She is acting increasingly, he says, as if she's not my child because she knows she can't earn in any way her status as my child. And, you know, that's, that's the, the challenge of this Sunday after Christmas. We've got this picture here of Jesus, and he is inviting us to be as sons, how are we living as sons of God? And can we, 
claim that status? Can we live with that status? Can you claim that status as God's sons? And so the question then that we, we, God wants us to ask to take a look at this morning is, hey, have you claimed your status as a son of God? And we're going to look at two things. First of all, the experience of that, and secondly, the, the acceptance of our sonship. So the experience of our sonship and the acceptance of our sonship. Now, God puts it for us this way. He's got a couple different verses here, but verses 4, 5, 6, he says to us, God sent his son so that we might receive adoption to sonship. And then in verse 6, he says, God sent his spirit into our hearts. Now, this is really awesome. This is just an awesome thing for God to say to you and to me. Like most Christians, I tend to think about my Christianity as a negative freedom or as in, in negative terms. And what I mean by that is I tend to think about my Christianity as it's freedom from stuff. You know, I, I came into Christianity and I realized how many terrible and, and sinful things I did. I had this bad habit and this addictive way of living. And so now I've been forgiven. Forgiveness is freedom from something. And so it's a, it's a negative way of, a pre, of, a pro, of approaching or coming at my Christianity. I'm free now from my addiction to drugs, or I'm free from my addiction, my, my bad sexual habits. All of these are ways that we tend to think about our Christianity. But God is saying here, hey, you don't just have freedom from your old ways. You have freedom for new things. You have a freedom for a life as a son and a daughter of the great God himself. Isn't that awesome? You know, I, one way I can, I always, I picture it to myself is, is think about God and his rules and his requirements and his life as a couple of I-beams. And you've got these I-beams, steel I-beams on your back, right? That's a really heavy load. Uh, and, and before you believe in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, the, the weight of those I-beams, that's going to crush you. It just pushes you down, right? It crushes you. And one of the things you get as a Christian when you believe in Jesus is you get out from under the weight of those I-beams. You get forgiveness. You, you get set free from the weight of God's law. But you also get freedom to get put back on top of God's law. You get freedom for a new life. And these I-beams now, they stretch across the sulfuric pool of, of sin and muck that's life, and you can walk right across them into the new land. You've got freedom from all of that sin, but you also have freedom for a new life. Isn't this an awesome thing? See, this should make us so bold, so bold in our lives, and yet it often doesn't. And commentators they will uh, point out to us how much this event from Galatians chapter 4 sounds like the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? The story of the prodigal son goes something like this. You know, there was a son, dad who had two sons, and one of the sons came to dad and said, Dad, I want your inheritance. I want my chunk of the, the money that I'm supposed to get. And then he ran away, and he wasted it all. And while he wasted it all, then he, he, he just lost everything and he came to his senses and he said, wait a second, what am I doing? I should go home. And he planned this big speech for his dad. Do you remember what the big speech was that he planned to say to his dad? He says, dad, father, 
I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So, you know, was he very bold in coming home to his father? You say, no, of course he wasn't, right? He just, he wasted everything that his father had given him. Of course he wasn't bold. Of course he wasn't confident to come home. But then again, why wasn't he? He was a son, not a slave. He was a son. He should have come home to his dad and said, Dad, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. I would love to be your son. And, and there's something here for us. You know, repentance is important. You and I should repent. Our lives are full of all kinds of sin that makes us a mess and a wreck. Repentance should be an important part of our lives. But repentance is not perpetual sadness. Repentance is sorrow for what we've done, and it's boldness. It's confident trust in God our Savior. Repentance, as soon as we have the Holy Spirit, says, yes, I am free, I am good, I am right with God. We have the status of sonship. There is nothing in heaven and in earth that God has kept from you and from me. And God has made this so sure and real to you. He wants you to be so bold that he has said, even in this verse, that God sent his spirit into our hearts. You see what God is saying with that? What does that mean? What God is saying is there's an objective reality here and there's a, a subjective experience. And the, the objective reality, that the facts of the matter, is that God sent Jesus so you can be a son of God. The subjective experience is you have the Holy Spirit in your hearts. You say, I am a child of God. I feel this. I know this. This is real to me. I call out to God, my Father, and I say, Father, as soon as you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, what you're going to say in your life is, God, I'm right with you. I'm good with you. Not because I do enough good stuff or because I'm so sad about my sin, but because I have Jesus, my Savior and Lord. I am right with you, and I am glad to sing his praise, to speak of him, to talk of him, and to come before you boldly. You know, how many of our kids or grandkids came to us on Thursday this week, the day right after Christmas, and said, hey, Dad, I want this thing. I was one of those, right? Kids come to me, and you think to yourself, I just bought you all of these presents. Can't you ever be happy? There is such boldness, such confidence there. That's how your father says, come to him. Be bold and confident, for you are a son. So don't just, we, we don't just claim our status as sons, but God says to us, hey, you know what? When you have the Holy Spirit, you experience it as a reality. It's real to you. There should be a deep experience here. And if you're like me right now, this makes you feel really uncomfortable. 
makes you feel really kind of awkward, almost. Because you you read this next verse where, verse 7, God says to us, you are no longer slaves but sons, or you are no longer slaves but God's child. And you think, well, wait a second. Yeah, but what about the time when I blew up at my so-and-so last week? What about the, the web of lies that I've spread with my coworkers because I keep trying to portray myself in a way that's not accurate? What about the constant conflict that my spouse and I experience? Not bad, just a little bit of, you know, constant grating at each other. I mean, God, are you sure you really want to call me your child? You know, my, my parents never really cut me off and said, you're no longer my son. But there were plenty of days where I didn't feel very much like a child of them, and that's because I knew I was doing so many wrong things. Are you sure, God, you want to call me your child? And God says, absolutely. Stop thinking that way. You are no longer slaves. You are God's son. Timothy Jones, when he sat down with his daughter there and, and she said to him, you're not going to take me anymore, are you? He said he had a moment where he, he, he wanted to say to her, ha, you're right. If you don't shape up, I'm not going to take you. But by God's grace, instead what he said was, are you a part of this family? And she said, yes. Is this family going to Disney World? Yes, then you're going to Disney World. And there may be some consequences for your actions, but you are part of this family, and that can never be taken away from you. God says to you, you are part of this family, you are a son, and that cannot be taken away from you. It doesn't matter how much sadness you've experienced in the last six months, the last year. It doesn't matter how much regret and guilt you're imagining as you turn the year into the new year. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you're going to make in the coming year. You are God's child. One, uh, one New Testament guy explains it and he says, You know what child means for the early Romans? He says the profound truth of Roman adoption was that the adoptee was taken out of his previous state and placed in a new relationship of son to his new father. All his old debts were instantly canceled. All his old debts were instantly canceled. What Jesus did... John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, says that his life was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word atoning sacrifice, it means a payment, or the old word was a propitiation. Jesus is not just the one who wipes out your sin, he actually pays the debt. And every single thing that you have done wrong, 
Every single sin is wiped out. There is no wrongdoing which holds you back from God's kingdom. Your sonship is certain, it is guaranteed, because Jesus became a man. Accept that. Embrace your status as God's child. And this week, I think there's something that God would have us do. He would want us to do for for somebody else. Assure somebody else that they are God's son. You know, if you're like me, you look around and and we've got a lot of friends, we've got neighbors who, who maybe are confident in themselves, but they don't have confidence that they are loved no matter what they do, that they are accepted no matter what they do. As soon as they mess up, their world falls apart. They don't have the confidence in somebody else's acceptance. Assure a friend, assure a neighbor, assure a cousin, a relative, that they are God's child this week. There was an old English uh, man named Thomas Goodwin who, who put it this way. He said, you know, picture, picture a father and a son walking down the the street, walking on the sidewalk, and they're holding hand in hand. And, and the father is, is that son's father. The, the, the son knows without a doubt that he is a child. He, he is fully engaged and aware that he is that dad's child. But then the dad stoops down and he picks him up. And he hugs him and he kisses him and he tells him he loves him. And nothing has changed about the fact that he is, he is a son. He's a son. He's always been a son. But now he knows it. Now he feels it. Now he experiences it. Now it's real to him. More real than ever. May it be real to you also. Embrace your status as God's child. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, our own sinfulness often uh, makes us believe that, that we are not good enough, we haven't done enough to come before you and to make bold claims. But you would say, call me dad, call me father, come to me boldly and confidently. And so, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us see you more and more as the one who has paid our debt so we can come before you confidently and ask for all the things that we need in this life, all the things that we want, and everything that you have promised to give us. Make us bold as your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen.